0: latest in the Bova News podcast series. I'm Kim Bremmer and I'll be your host today on today's podcast. We're honored to have an owner of one of the largest seed stock operations in the world, Cody Jorgensen from Jorgensen Land and Cattle in Ideal, South Dakota. Cody's a partner in the operation and chief livestock operations officer. Thanks for coming on with us today, Cody. You
1: bet. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, First, can you start out and give us a background and history of your operation?
1: You bet. So um, Jorgensen Land and Cattle is a, a longtime family owned operation. In fact, I'm the fourth generation uh, involved in ownership and in our business. Uh, My great grandfather homesteaded here, uh, 1909. He and my grandmother, great grandmother. And um, from there, my grandfather uh, has stayed on here. He had older brothers that all went to World War II. My grandpa got to stay home and uh, and work the farm. Um, From there, he's really the one, Grandpa Martin, uh, was really the one that I would say, um, you know, pioneered uh, what we do in the cattle business today. Uh, he was he was a pioneer um, in terms of performance testing cattle, and uh, he he really Im- implemented, or I guess, um, I guess you know, built into you know his sons and and now me and my cousin Nick, uh, you know, a lot of things of you know, of what we do today. He's just uh, he's really one of the guys that, uh, you know, just, uh, just a matriarch, you know, a true matriarch and a true true pioneer to our our family and also our business. Um, so today, the business is made up of four people. Um, my dad, uh, who's just turned 70, um, a few days ago, uh, is an owner. Um, and of course, then myself, and I'm also in, in partnership with my uncle who's 14 14 years younger than my dad, and he's uh, 10 years older than me. And then uh, our youngest partner would be Brian's son, uh, Nick. And uh, so we have a really diverse group of owners, um, extremely diverse in terms of age. Um, And not only that, but uh, obviously when we take our personal profile test, you know, everyone gets to know each other a little differently and and all four of us are each, each are in one uh, different, you know, different quarter of the personal profile test. So our different quadrant anyway. So they, <laughs> it's kind of interesting how that works out, but uh, a neat group of people there, I would say group, uh, really nice, diverse age. And, um, uh, we, we really grandpa Martin, another thing that he really forced down upon us is, is communication. And so we, we, we do a good job at, at making ourselves communicate. Um, so today, I guess when you look at our, our, um, our logo, um, Really the, the widget that we have in our business is the black Angus bull. Uh, obviously we uh, market, um, this year it'll be just a, a few over 4,000, probably 4,250 Angus bulls in a year's time. Um, we, we farm um, about 15,000 acres. And my uncle Brian, he takes care of all of that. About 80% of those acres are acres used to make feed for our bull development um, feed yard. And then um, the last thing that we do uh, is uh, we're blessed to be in an area where there's um, you know wild pheasants, and um, so we in 2012 we built a lodge that can handle 42 people at one time, and we hunt two groups of hunters um, every week, starting September uh, on on to uh, about this week, this time of year, first week in December. So you know just to kind of wrap that up a little bit. when we look and you know when our family looks at an acre of land um we like to to do three things on it and uh, one would be obviously you know farm it like it needs to be farmed with soil health in mind um no-till practices all of the things that that make sense in our particular area um, and then on that same acre we would love to be able to to graze something on it whether that's and a bowl that needs to be reconditioned or just a female or young heifer calves, whatever whatever we have available for that particular acre to graze, uh, we'd love to have a hoof on it at some point in time throughout the course of the, of the year. And then, of course, the third thing um, would be the pheasant hunting uh, or what I would refer to as egg retainment. Um, if we can also hunt pheasants on that same acre of land, then, you know, you can do, if all three of those things are, are, are really important to our family. And, and there isn't very many operations that, that can do all three of those. You know, a lot can do obviously one or maybe two of those. Um, but to, to, to do all three and, and then, you know, add value to everything that you do on that acre, that's really what, uh, what we're trying to do. We think if we can do those three things, then, um, then it could be sustainable for generations to come.
0: How many hunters do you see a year, do you think?
1: uh this year will be up just right at 400.
0: So switching gears a little bit there is a section of a book written about the history of the Jorgensen operation the book talks a lot about your grandfather you referenced him Martin Jorgensen can you talk a little bit about his influence on the development of the herd and how his guidance still impacts what you do today in your everyday operation?
1: Yeah you bet again he um He originally, I mean, he was one of the original people that started performance testing cattle. And and what I mean by that is he he literally would take weights um, throughout the course of that calf's life and compare those weights to his contemporary groups and then take that data and tie it back to the mother cow. Okay. So he was really analyzing the cow herd in that respect. It's it's almost intuitive for people to do that today, but to think about doing this in the 40s and the 50s uh, was absolutely unheard of. And um, he's he's one of the he's one of the guys that really pioneered that. I think another good um, a good thing about Grandpa Martin was that he always surrounded himself with just really really good people. Uh, if he you know if he had a question about genetics, he would find the very best geneticist to help him through. Um, uh, what he was trying to accomplish, he he always took the what I call the IRM approach, which we have implemented here, even today on in Jorgensen Land of Cattle, the IRM report uh, approach. I I like to refer to it as you know integrated research management, where it takes a team of people to to really truly um, conquer an issue or get to the bottom of it, where one person um, might might not be able to properly, but when you have a team of people, you can really communicate it and and really dig it up and, and flip it over and, and get it figured out, right? And so he did that a lot and he instilled that on all four of us that are in the partnership today. Um, and we do that with almost every, every uh, I guess every group that we work with, we try to, we try to take that approach and really get it communicated, um, if not monthly, but maybe even weekly in some cases, um, and so I would say that's that's probably what he what he really instilled in in us the most is is just communication. Um, just specifically talking about the cowherd. herd, um, you know he he was able to do some things at at that particular time that no one else was doing just because he had the foresight and the wisdom to know it was right. And um, today, uh, the same concepts are implemented into our into our cow herd, um, we just have so many more tools, right? We have so many more tools to, to interpret and understand these cattle. And um, towards the end of his life, you know, we were, we, I'd always talk with him about some of the things that we're doing. And, um, you know, specifically, let's talk about DNA and, and um, you know, genetic evaluations and things like that. And he, he absolutely just, he understood it. You know, he understood it even in his later years. And, um, and really just thought that was neat. So I'm really proud to have that conversation with him.
0: Well, and along those lines, uh, can you talk a little bit about your breeding objectives, maybe how they've changed over time? Can you just describe them, walk, walk through how you've used your integrative research management to move?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And in, in our herd, and, and I would say that probably most people that have Angus cattle on their place, um, paternally, there are five genetic lines that we use, um, and we, we actually identify them by tag color, and so um, the five genetic lines that we have are um, the yellow tags I would call Eldorado, the orange tags I would call a traveler line, purple tags I would call emulation, and a white tag would be an emulous line of cattle, and then the, uh, which one am I missing, black tags, so black tags would be the Rito line of cattle. And, and back in the day, what grandpa would do is he would take the Rito bred females and breed them to a traveler or an Eldorado line cattle, a band line of, of cattle and vice versa. The band bred females then got bred to a Rito bred bull. And he would just over time stack and stack those pedigrees and stack. Um, and in a nutshell, we're, we're doing somewhat of the same concept but we've added in these other three lines that um, we've identified and we're really focusing on the female, even though it looks like we are obviously we are the number one bull um, in terms of numbers, the number one bull um, seller in in the, perhaps the world, you know, we got to get the cow deal right. And if we don't get the cows bred right, um, really all the stuff that we're doing with the bulls um, isn't going to work. So um, a lot of people might think or might say that we are just um, breeding our cow herd for bulls in mind only. That I would love to argue um, we are not. We are definitely breeding our cattle for the female. Um, right now, I just started or embarked on a project that we call the, the mother load project. And and what we're trying to do with the mother load project is identify cows, obviously, that are superior in our herd, but also um, take the history that we have um, all the way back to Martin and my dad's time as, breeding, as breeders and, and truly identify lines of cattle that, that just came to the forefront maternally. And so once we've identified those lines of cattle, then I'm trying to recreate them so to speak or recreate the philosophy on how they were bred, not necessarily recreate that animal perhaps, but more about how that pedigree was put together and how that pedigree was built in terms of the breeding philosophy. Okay. And so that's what the mother load project is all about. And, uh, and, and I, and I know, um, I know, just uh, you know, going over this with my dad and and my grandfather when he was alive, um, it was just something that uh, that they just are so proud of, right? And it's a it's a you know it's something that we can learn from and then implement. And we have all these tools to do that with, you know, what worked and what didn't work. And so, in a nutshell, that that kind of sums up the way the way I look at you know breeding these cows is we're we're not breeding them on. On a limb, or a guess, or a by golly, we're breeding them based on what we know, and we're breeding them based on what the DNA now can tell us. Okay, and so um, it's a lot different than what it, what they had to use. I'm you know I'm proud of that, but we got a lot more lot more tools in the toolbox to really get this done. But uh, uh, yeah, that's that's in a nutshell. I don't know if that answered your question or not.
0: Mm-hmm. It did. <laughs> Now, along those lines, Jorgensen Land and Cattle also has this bull production pyramid that includes your nucleus herd, your cooperator herds, and then the commercial operations. So, how did that come about? how How is all of this this process managed?
1: You heard me talk a little bit about our cow herd. The cow herd that we manage here on our place is it's just a little under a thousand head. Okay, so if you were a cow on our place, you're going to be one of three status. So. Obviously, um, we have we have a very very extensive embryo transfer program, and so one of the statuses would be a recip status. Okay, if you are a cow that um, has potential and is looking to um, someday make make the elite status, then you would be considered a varsity cow. Okay, and then of course the top. The top tier would be the elite status, and if you were an elite cow, then that that would mean that you would, you'd have embryos pulled from you uh, either conventionally or through in vitro fertilization, um, whatever method would work the best on on that particular cow. So we've sorted our, sorted these cows into three different um, three different statuses, and we actually manage them and, and pasture them three separately, and we evaluate this every year. Um, you know. Just because you're in the varsity pen now doesn't mean you're going to be in there next year. If something happened to you where you did something that that you know not is not necessarily good, then you will move down to a recip. If you're a recip cow and it can prove that you you had did, done this in time and you've fixed the flaw that you originally had, then we could potentially we potentially move you up to the varsity um, team. So This cow herd, when you think about it, um, it controls the genetics for the 15 other cooperators that we have um, in our system. And so the cooperators will come into our annual production bull sale in the spring and select the very best genetics that they can, um, either, you know, for natural service or through AI, uh, whatever works best in their environment or their management practices. And so when you think about what we have to do with this cow herd, um, you know, we we have to be extremely disciplined with this cow herd. If if we're not disciplined with this cow herd, then potentially it could affect the genetics for a lot of cattle down down the pyramid. Okay. And so it does it does make a difference. The the breeding selections that we make, that I make, do mean something. They they do they not only for, for the, our calf crop, but also our cooperators calf, calf crop, and then even further yet down the road, the potential of you know, 250,000 calves that this cow herd in an annual basis um, genetically affects uh, directly, um, you know, we, we just can't have any mistakes.
0: You're the largest seed stock operation in the U.S. You influence hundreds of thousands of cattle and feedlots. What do you see as some of the larger challenges facing the beef industry moving forward?
1: I think, I think getting our arms around traceability. Um, traceability is is really neat when you think about it. Um, from my perspective, um, it would be a dream of mine to to somehow help our customers that that uh, you know, that get bulls from us each year, to identify those cattle genomically and and somehow trace them back to what they are genomically. Right, so, by having a DNA test on them, I think that we can I think we're going to be able to trace them back and and um, you know let end use markets know you know how good they are, or I guess we'll be able to identify how bad they are as well and get them out of the system uh, you know we'll be able to let end markets know about you know where in fact they did come from and and all through the processes you know. What happened to them? What what was going on with them? Um, but I think most importantly, uh, just to have the the ability to to know where your food comes from. I think a lot of a lot of consumers out there today just just desire a little bit of knowledge about you know where it came from, what 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 was the what was the situation, where where had it been, and um, I think once we get our arms around this traceability thing. Um, I think it'll be, it'll be a good thing. I really do. I believe it'll be a good thing.
0: What are some of the things that you're doing in terms of traceability?
1: So we are, we have our own genetic evaluation. It's called the ideal beef evaluation. Uh, Every one of our bulls and cows are in this evaluation. We have uh, a little over 15,000 animals that are directly uh, enrolled in the evaluation uh, based on their DNA samples. We have a um, you know all of the cooperators um, that send us bulls. Every one of those bulls get put into the evaluation. Um, every one of the cows that are on the cooperators um, are that are you know cooperator herds are going to be in the evaluation. They are not all currently there yet. We are worked by the end of the year 2022. They will all be in our evaluation. Um, and so we're using this genetic evaluation not only to help us interpret and understand. You know. And identify the, the very good animals and obviously the, the animals that we don't want to put out in the industry. And so we think that through DNA and um, a project that we call the, I, the ideal beef genetic system, we think we're going to be able to help our customers, you know, potentially through DNA, not only help them make better breeding decisions, but also just, you know, have a place where they, they know more about their cattle. Uh, I don't know if that means, you know, a blockchain technology or how this is all going to play out yet or PVPs. Um, but I will tell you that I think through DNA and the, and the aid of DNA, I think that, that we, can, we, can, uh, we can help traceability um, along quite quickly.
0: And what does the future hold for Jorgensen Land and Cattle?
1: Well, we're currently, you know, marketing around 4,000 bulls, a little over 4,000 bulls. And and it's our family's goal by 2030 to be around 8,000 bulls. And so uh, we're not going anywhere. Uh, We're we're really committed to being in the bull business. We're really committed to this cow herd. We think that uh, by doing the right things with this cow herd, that it's going to catapult genomically um, through the mother load project. It's going to catapult what we do in in a bull business. And we also think that through our own genetic evaluation and the IBG concept, uh, we think that that's gonna be a value proposition for our customers. And uh, once we get all this stuff in place, we're, we're just extremely excited about the future um, and uh, you know what we think we can do with, with these superior genomics.
0: And where can people go to learn more about Jorgensen Land and Cattle?
1: Well, we have a website. Uh, it's called uh, jorgensenfarms.com. Um, and, and we also, uh, my cousin Nick does a fantastic job of keeping up with uh, social media, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Um, if you just search Jorgensen Land and Cattle, you'll find uh, daily posts about what we do. And, um, that, and if, if otherwise, you can di- just directly get a hold of us um, through email or even a phone call. And all that stuff's on our website.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Cody. We appreciate it. This wraps up our Bova News podcast for today. If you like what you heard, be sure to follow Bova News on your favorite podcast subscription service. And while you're at it, go ahead and follow us on the various social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube page. And be sure to check out our website, bovanews.com, for more information and alerts to upcoming podcasts and webinars. This has been your host, Kim Bremer. And from everyone here at Bova News, have a great day.